guys, we just had a Hamilton sandwich. We did. It's been a hot minute, and we loved every second. We realized it has been a really long time since we've done that. Megan so. walked in. She said, Kara, you know what we haven't done in a while? Hamilton. Mm. Super happy. I said, Super. I'm on it. I'm on it. I got this. Okay. I have a really cool story for you. Okay. Do we have anything before we get started? I have an update on an old case. Another thing I wanted to tell you all before I get into that is, um, oh, hey, this is this is the important <laughs> thing. This is the Witch's Magic Murder and Mystery Podcast. I'm Kara. I'm Megan. Oh, hey, <laughs> Um, Some of you may remember, especially those of you who are like, oh, geez. Yeah. Back at the very beginning of the podcast, um, I would mention a friend of mine who also had a podcast called Monday Morning Pep Talk. Oh. Nick Laura. Yeah. And we still get messages about that sometimes from people who are just now starting the mm-hmm. podcast and they're like, where is that? You know, um, he, it went on hiatus for a while, but now it's back. Oh my gosh. And it's really great. It's like every Monday, like a 10 what to 15 minute, list. real short pep talk. Yeah. It showed back up in my feed last week and I was like, yay. <laughs> they're killing it. Yeah. So for those of you who have asked about it, it is back. And if you have never heard of it, if you don't remember from that long long ago or you haven't heard the old episodes, definitely go check it out. Just Monday morning pep talk should be everywhere that you can listen to podcasts. So fun. Yeah. Get that pep talk. Nick is great (laughs) at pep talks. Well, he's also an amazing musician, too. So, yeah, he's a great guy all around. Yeah. Go give him a follow. Okay. So do you remember the episode? It's been a while. It's from episode 141 back in April of 2022. Where is Fawn Murray Mountain? Yeah. Oh, There's yeah. an update. <gasps> yes. Okay. So there are a few cases that have really stuck with me uh-huh. after doing an episode about them. And Fawn's story is one of them. Yeah. We just wanted to go shake people. It was so frustrating. So just to refresh your memory, she had a pretty controlling girlfriend. Her name was Heather Dilbert, who would like lock her in their trailer when she was at work. Didn't like Fawn to talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Kind of... um alienated fawn from her friends and family yeah and then one day fawn was just gone and heather was like oh weird i guess she ran off which was Mm -hmm. a surprising reaction considering any other time that fawn had attempted to leave heather would track her down and bring her back right you know and so now suddenly heather's just real like i don't know i I guess she left and doesn't seem to care she didn't want to be here anymore so it's one of those cases where there's just no evidence Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of people suspect that Heather knows more than she let on. And didn't like a trailer catch on fire or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they lived in a trailer and, you know, not long after Fawn disappeared, Heather did like a full like remodeling of her oh, yeah. trailer, which yeah. was real interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, Heather Dilbert is currently behind bars after she allegedly hired a man to attempt to kill her estranged wife. And her wife's family. Oh, the family, too. So whoever she got in a relationship with after Fawn. Oh, my gosh. There are messages between Heather and a guy named Zachary Sellers where Heather offered him money and drugs to burn down the home where Heather's wife was staying. My gosh. Along with some of her family members. These messages started on October 18th after Heather was charged with threatening to kill her wife's (gasps) father. (gasps) Oh, Heather's just such a joy. And there is a part of me, because I am me, that's like, what happened to Heather, dude? Like, what? Where did... What did she go through to become this person with so much anger um, and such disregard for life, right? And disregard for, like, 
other people's lives. <laughs> well, anything that doesn't go her way. Right. It's like, you can't just walk away from it. You got to we gotta kill people. Kill people and burn houses. On October 28th, authorities responded to a house fire a little after midnight at the home where Heather's wife was staying. A Molotov cocktail had been <gasps> thrown onto the porch. Oh, my gosh. Heather's wife, along with five of her family members, including children, <gasps> were inside the home when the fire began. What? Further investigation showed that Heather had become upset with her wife when she learned that her wife had been planning to leave her. <laughs> Wonder why. I know. Zachary Sellers testified for the DA, stating he had no plea agreement and hadn't received anything for his testimony. According to him, he had known Heather for years, and the discussion of, quote, doing something to her estranged wife began two to three weeks before the fire incident. Oh, my gosh. The wife had taken Heather's dog, and Zachary was like, I'll get your dog back. And then Heather called him a few days later and was like, they killed my dog, <gasps> which I don't know any more details about that. Right. What does that mean? And how? And, you know, but she's but like, they, did they, though? Yeah. She's like, they killed my dog. So now she has to pay. <gasps> so now a life for a life, really, is what she's saying. Oh, she offered him seven balls of meth, seven balls of cocaine. I don't know what. I didn't know those things came in balls. Like, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know. know drugs. I don't, yeah. And $3,000 to do it. And he said Heather had shown him the home and said, <gasps> kill them all. When Zachary saw that there were children in the house, he called Heather to tell her he wasn't going to do it. And Heather was like, they killed my baby. So now their babies have to die too. <gasps> like, listen. What? I love my dogs. You know this. Yeah, but whoa, you're not going to kill a kid for them. No. And then she was like, okay. In addition to the drugs and money, I'll also give you a car, uh -huh. like, to entice him to do it. Yeah. Heather had wanted him to set the front and back doors on fire, quote, so they wouldn't have a way out. But he's like, I didn't do it that way. He was supposed to get his payment the next morning, but he got nothing. Heather ghosted him. So oh, no. Heather's in jail, facing 32 felony charges. Her bail is set at $1 million. When her attorney argued that the bail was excessive, the judge was like, Based on the evidence, the facts, the PFAs, her history, I am more inclined to deny bail altogether <gasps> because I don't believe that any amount would ensure compliance and protect the parties involved. Which oh, I'm like, my gosh. Yeah, he's correct. Yeah. yeah. So when she went to court, several people showed up wearing purple shirts with the name Fawn Marie Mountain on them and sat in the back row to watch. Oh. I can only imagine the satisfaction that yeah. they must feel. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't tell them where their daughter is or, right, or Fawn. Exactly. It's not just daughter, I guess, where right, their loved yeah. one is. But the person that they highly suspect yeah. to be responsible for Fawn's disappearance yeah. is at least facing some sort of consequences. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that's an update on Fawn Marie Mountain. How long ago was Fawn? I can't remember. I can't remember. I'd have to look it up about yeah. how long ago it's been. So now let's talk about this episode. This story was recommended by a listener, but I'm not going to read her message because I don't want to give away oh, too much okay. at the okay. beginning. I'm not sure how I'm going to categorize this one when I actually post it, but for now, it all begins with a murder. Hmm. On January 12th, 1981, a dog stumbled upon two dead bodies in a boggy, wooded area <gasps> north of Houston. Bodies. Houston. Who's what did I just say? <laughs> Houston. Houston. It's Houston. Texas? I think you got distracted by the boggy part. 
Because my brain went nuts. Everyone, Houston. <laughs> Houston. <laughs> okay. On January 12th, 1981, a dog stumbled upon two dead bodies in a boggy wooded area north of Houston. The bodies were just a few feet away from each other, and based on the advanced level of decomposition, one was already partially skeletonized. It was determined that they had been dead for about two months, oh. and that they both died around the same time, Okay, sometime around December 1980, January 1981. Oh, wow. Okay. Also at the scene was a bloody towel and a pair of gym shorts. Hmm. Investigators couldn't tell if the two had been killed where they were found, or if the bodies had been dumped there after death. Oh. It was clear that they were victims of homicide. Right. One of the bodies was male and had been bound and beaten to death. The other was female and she'd been strangled. Even though they were heavily decayed, their faces were still recognizable mm. enough that they could do reconstructions, oh. which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. But Especially even, in the 80s. Right. But even with the reconstructions, police had no luck identifying the victims. Oh. The case went cold and they were buried in graves without names. Mm -hmm. They became known as the Harris County Does, and that's how they stayed for 41 years. Oh, my gosh. Yes. In 2011, the bodies were exhumed for genetic testing. Harris County had gotten a grant from the National Institute of Justice to exhume several unidentified homicide victims oh, wow. in order to extract their DNA and enter it into genealogy databases oh. in the hopes of figuring out who they were. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, in 2011, and I guess I didn't realize that we were already doing yeah. the genealogy DNA in 2011. Hmm. But I have no concept of time, so who knows? Yeah. So the male's DNA had several distant matches in Kentucky, and that led what? to a family with the last name Klaus, who had moved from Kentucky to Florida. Okay. As investigators followed the genealogy, they found a super close match to the man, and they contacted that living relative to ask, like, did you have a family member who yeah. disappeared like 40 years ago? Oh, my gosh. And this woman, Debbie Brooks, was like, yes, <gasps> my brother Dean disappeared. Her brother. Mm -hmm. <gasps> she gave them all the information she could, which led to the identification of the male as Dean Klaus Jr. Oh, my gosh. And now that they know that, they can quickly identify the woman as his wife. Tina Klaus. Oh, my gosh. So let's back up a little and talk about Tina and Dean. Yeah. Tina Gail Lynn, which is such a cute name. Mm -hmm. She was 15 years old in 1978, living at home with her family in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. Okay. When she met Harold Dean Klaus Jr., and he was 19 and he went by Dean. Tina and Dean met because Dean's sister was dating Tina's brother. Oh, and that couple got married, and then Tina and Dean got married, oh. which is just the cutest. Tina and Dean had what was described as a whirlwind romance. It wasn't long after they met that they got married. They got married in the Volusia County Courthouse on June 25th, 1979. Mm -hmm. And then in January of 1980, their daughter Holly was born. They had a little baby girl. They were crazy about their little girl, and people who knew them said that they were devoted parents. They moved in with Tina's sister and lived with her for a little while. Then in the summer of 1980, Dean and Tina packed their things and their sweet little baby, and they moved to Louisville, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. Okay. At the time, the Dallas-Fort Worth area was really booming, just developing really quickly, creating a lot of work for like builders and contractors mm -hmm. 
indeed made cabinets. So the plan was they were going to move to this area where there were plenty of job opportunities for cabinet makers and Dean hoped to find a good paying job. Yeah. And he did. He got a job with D.R. Horton Home Builders and the Klaus family saved up money for a home of their own. Oh. And everything was going well. The work was a little unpredictable. It's contractor work. Right. Exactly. Um, But nobody knew of any trouble with the family or anything. And then in late October of 1980, Dean and Tina's families back in Florida just stopped hearing from them. Oh. Tina's sister got a letter from Tina saying that she and Dean had gotten their own place and she was happy. And that was it. That was the last contact they had from the couple. Huh. When her sister tried to write her back, the letter was returned with no forwarding address. Oh. Of course, now we know what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Like no one's figured out how they ended up. Yeah. Dead in the woods, 250 miles from their home. Right. One thing to point out is that the reason why they think those reconstructions of Dean's and Tina's faces didn't lead to their identification is because they hadn't been in Texas long enough to like oh, yeah, for people establish to roots. Yeah. So they weren't immediately recognizable or well-known yeah. by people who were around there. And I don't know how widespread those reconstructions were like distributed. Right. Where's the baby? I'm getting to it. Oh, God, Megan. Oh, God, Megan. Another factor could have been that Dean's mother gave it several months before she reported the couple missing. Oh, yeah, because they're adults and they just hadn't heard from them. Well, she had her reasons. And this is where we enter the cult portion of the story. Oh. And if you didn't see that coming, neither did I. No, sure didn't. Sure didn't. So in the 70s, this is a direct quote. Jesus freak movements were common. (laughs) Jesus freak movements were common. (laughs) Wow. And the structure of these movements could be favorable conditions for the formation of cults. Oh, wow. Dean, according to his family, had a history of getting involved with these kinds of movements when he was a teenager. Oh, no. But once he'd met Tina, he hadn't really been involved in that stuff anymore. In December of 1980, a woman who called herself Sister Susan... Mm had reached out to Dean's family saying, I have Dean and Tina's car, a 1978 two-door red burgundy AMC Concorde, and I want to bring it back to you. Huh. At this point, it has been several weeks since anyone's heard from Dean and Tina, and the family's like, okay. And they make arrangements to meet at the Daytona racetrack in Florida. Oh. Now, when the meeting took place, there were several members of the religious group there, but only Sister Susan spoke. She huh. told the family that Dean and Tina had joined their religious group and no longer wished to have contact with their families. Oh. So later, when Donna was like, something seems off. Donna is Dean's mom. Yeah. And she reported her son and his wife and child missing. Police didn't take it seriously because they were like. They've done a call. They don't yeah, have anything to do They with told you. you. Right. Oh, my gosh. The fact that their car had been returned was proof of that. Mm. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the things that I hate about the new year is the way that everybody gets focused on all the things they need to change about themselves. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All those resolutions. I think it's okay to want to be better, but let's also pay attention to the things that are already good about ourselves. Like what are you already already accomplishing? Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to be like, what am I good at? What am I doing well? It's just easier to focus on what needs work rather than what doesn't. Yeah. What you can pick apart and try to work on. One way 
that you can figure out what you're already doing well yeah. is to go to talk therapy. Oh my gosh. As you all know, I always think talking something through with someone can just help you. Like even when you think I have thought about this up one side, down the other, saying the words out loud to another person who can just like getting help a fresh you. perspective on things. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, get better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Megan, did you know that all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist? If you feel like you're not jiving with that therapist, you can get switched to a new one for no additional charge. You know something I really love? I've gotten like three messages from listeners who have specifically said thank you so much for doing the BetterHelp ads. And they're like, it's really helped me. It's made such a difference. It's so nice to feel like it is helping someone. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash WMMM today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash W-M-M-M. Goodbye. Goodbye. And I think the return of the car is a strange thing. Like, even if this group is like, we don't believe in cars. (laughs) Right. Why didn't they just leave it? Like, Why do they return it? Yeah. One thing is that when they met up with Donna to return the car, they asked her to donate $1,000 to the group. So maybe that's why they thought if we give her her car, she'll pay us. Yeah. Or some people think that they returned the car in order to speak to the family and try to head off any kind of missing persons report or formal investigation. Oh, that's weird. If they did, that worked, right? Because the police didn't do much to try to find the Klaus family. Tina and Dean's families traveled to Houston to see the place where their loved ones' bodies had been found, as well as where they'd been buried. And then they agreed to have the now-identified couple buried together. And, of course, the big question, as you brought up, is where's the baby? Debbie, when they called and they were like, we know where your brother is. Yeah. She's like, oh, did you find the baby? And they're like, what baby? (gasps) And now we're at the mystery portion of the episode. There were a lot of theories about baby Holly's whereabouts. Uh Maybe her remains had been there, but she's a baby. Um, So the investigators had just missed them or her remains had been carried off by animals. Maybe whoever had killed Dean and Tina had kidnapped their daughter. Yeah. The woman who had identified Dean, the investigator, her name was Allison Peacock of FHD Forensics. And she launched the Hope for Holly DNA Project to try and find Holly Klaus. Oh, wow. They released information to the public. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children did an age progression photo and released it to the press. Hmm. And several of Dean's and Tina's family members submitted DNA samples to genealogy websites in the hopes that something would match up. And this led to multiple women coming forward and being like, I think I might be Holly, but they were all pulled out. Yeah. But can you imagine those poor women who were like, I have no idea who, what my life is or who I am? Right. Oh, my What gosh. would it be like to read that and be like, am I her? That might be me. Yes. I might be kidnapped. What? So while this search was going on, investigators realized there was confusion about whether Holly's name was spelled H-O-L-L-Y or H-O-L-L-I-E. Oh. And... They needed to know this, I guess, to kind of help figure out mm-hmm. to identify her. Just one more piece of information. Yeah. And they're like, well, we can figure this out pretty quick. We just need to check her birth certificate. Okay. But when they tried to get it from Florida, the records were sealed. Huh? This typically means that there has been some sort of juvenile record or adoption. And the only way to get past that was through a court order. 
So they did get a judge to unseal the records, and this revealed an adoption certificate. (gasps) Now, detectives had the names of the adopted parents and the state where the adoption had taken place. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So that's how baby Holly. What? I know. It's very... It'll all come together as I keep talking. But at this point, I'm like, how could she have been adopted and no one knew? Right. But we'll get to it. Okay. But that's how baby Holly was ultimately found alive and well in 2021. Oh, my gosh. A 42-year-old married mother of five (gasps) and grandmother of two. Oh, my gosh. Living in Oklahoma. Wow. She had a Zoom call with her biological family the very same day that she was found. And the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children helped pay for Holly to visit Florida in November of 2022 so she could meet them in person. Oh, I know. Oh, my gosh. But now we're left with, like, how did did Holly wind up being adopted? Is it spelled H-O-L-L-Y or I-E? Y. Okay. So after interviewing Holly and her adoptive parents... The adoptive parents were quickly ruled out as suspects. Okay. They had adopted Holly from a church in Arizona. She had grown up in a loving home and her parents had told her that her birth parents loved her very much, but had given her up because of their religious beliefs. And Holly said, my dad always told me what a miracle I was. Like, I'm so thankful that as awful as what happened to her parents, she was put into a loving home. Right. And like. That they're so lucky that yeah. that happened. And, yeah. like, I hope that her parents, wherever they are now, find peace with that. Yeah. So she had no idea. No one knew. Her adoptive parents also didn't know that her birth parents had been murdered. Oh, my gosh. So here's how all of that came to be. On November 8th of 1980, Philip McGoldrick, the pastor of a Seventh-day Adventist church in Arizona, was at the church when there was a knock at the back door. When he answered, there were three women dressed in white robes, and they identified themselves as members of a religious group known as the Christ family. Oh. Police believe this is the same group that returned the car to Florida. Yeah. Fun fact. The leader of the Christ family, his name was Charles McHugh, but he was also known as Jesus Christ Lightning Amen. (laughs) Let me take a second. Jesus Christ Lightning Amen. (laughs) That sounds like it belongs on the righteous gemstones. What's your name? Jesus Christ. Lightning. Lightning. Amen. Amen. I just can't get over it. <laughs> Lightning. Just call me JCL. A. Jesus Christ. Lightning. Lightning. Amen. It's amen. like somebody else should always say the amen. Like he has an assistant who's with him all the time. Amen. Every time he introduced, he's like, Jesus Christ. Lightning. Amen. Every time. You got to say it like real loud, like Jesus Christ, Lightning, amen. Amen. <laughs> Brings power to it. <laughs> Gives it worth. That's why he's in charge. <laughs> I do it. Well, Mr. Amen <laughs> served time in a California prison for a drug conviction and oh, was also found guilty of child molestation. That's real Christ-like of you, sir. Mm-hmm. He mm. died in 2010 at the age of 73. Oh. I just could Did he still go by I that name? I could know that and not share it. Right. In 2010, did he still go by that name? I'm sure that he did. Wouldn't yeah, you? Why not? I might now. I have to. Okay. He has nothing else to do with the story. I just need you all to know. <laughs> you all have to know about Anyway, that. when Philip answers the door at the church, he assumed that the group is looking for money or food. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine his surprise when they're like, we need to give you this baby. Oh. And they were like, we can't raise a baby because. We're a church. Well, no, they, oh, the, the cult, people. Okay. 
they're like, we can't raise a baby because we have this nomadic lifestyle. Mm. Um, they're always moving around. Like it's no yeah, environment to raise a little yeah. infant child in. Yeah. Part of the things that the like Christ gypsies. family did, they separated men and women. Oh. And they did not kill animals for their meat or their skin. The Christ family also claimed to have left another baby before at a laundromat. Oh, what a place to leave one. So when he spoke of this later, Philip was like, they convinced me that they were going to give this baby away to somebody. Oh. And he was just glad that they'd found the church a safe place to leave her. He said the whole impression was a mother trying to give her child a safe place to live and possibly come back and get the child later. So they left baby Holly with him along with her birth certificate Oh, and a note from Dean relinquishing his parental rights. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's how they had the birth certificate and that's why they were able to do the adoption legally yeah. and there was record of it and oh that's how gosh. it was sealed. Yeah. Whoa. So Philip, the pastor and his wife, Constance adopted Holly. Oh, he said, my wife and I had been praying for a baby. Um. So maybe God was answering our prayer in a very surprising way. Mm. I know. Police believe that one of the three women who showed up at the church that day was Tina. Oh, okay. And they think that Tina and Dean joined the Christ family and followed them to Arizona, where the group was known to have a winter camp. Because oh. this church was in Arizona. Yeah. So while they were in Arizona, that's when they think Holly was dropped off at the church. Investigators don't know how long the couple stayed in Arizona or how they wound up back in Texas. And now we're left with another mystery. Who murdered Dean and Tina Klaus? Right. So one of the investigators, Sergeant Rachel Kading with the Texas Attorney General's Cold Case and Missing Persons Unit, thinks that the fact that Dean and Tina were found together, she thinks that they might have been leaving the group oh. because remember the group is separated yeah. men and women. So the fact yeah. that they were together yeah. means something. And there's this assumption that Tina was attacked first and that Dean was attacked when he tried to intervene. Oh, They also weren't wearing their white robes. They were in regular clothes, which kind of also makes it seem like they were leaving the group. Yeah. So Sergeant Kading is quoted in People saying either they came together as they were traveling with their individual groups or they came together at some point and left the group and weren't traveling with the Christ family at all. Okay. That's the other part is they yeah. could have already left the Christ family right. group and then something else happened to yeah. them. Yeah. Investigators are trying to track down anyone who may have had contact with a Christ family follower named Rosemary Garcia. She was with Tina on the day that they gave up Holly at the church. Oh. Rosemary is believed to be dead now, but they're just looking for anyone who may have had contact with her when she was alive. Okay. Sergeant Kading says they believe that she orchestrated everything in terms of giving up Holly. Oh, wow. Rosemary also had three teenage daughters, Jill, Joy, and Jan, who may have met Tina. They were kind of known as Rosemary and the three J's. Oh, they aren't suspects or anything. It's just that they're trying to talk to anyone who might yeah, be able to the, fill in gaps yeah, in the timeline. They just want details. So to be clear, there's no evidence that the Christ family was involved in the killings. Sergeant Kading says if it was someone associated with the group, it was probably an outlier or someone new to the group or a temporary member. Hmm. She's interviewed over 50 people from the group, and she doesn't think that anyone she's spoken to has hidden anything from her. Oh, wow. Okay. But she has also not identified anyone who specifically remembers Dean, Tina, or Holly. Huh. But it also seems like, based on the timeline that we do have, Dean 
and Tina and Holly couldn't have been part of the group very long before they right. died. Yeah. Another theory is that Dean and Tina could have been hitchhiking and got picked up by the wrong person. Oh, so then it's like yeah. not even related mm-hmm. to the Christ family, right? Yep. Holly wrote a book about her life. It's mm-hmm. called Finding Baby Holly, Lost to a Cult, Surviving My Parents' Murder and Saved by Prayer. Oh. If anyone has information about their deaths, please contact the Texas Attorney General's Cold Case and Missing Persons Unit at 512-936-0742 or email coldcaseunit at oag.texas.gov and or babyhollytips at oag.texas.gov. And I'll put all that in the show notes, too. Wow, wow, wow. So that story was from Courtney, and she was like, if you want to do, like, the story... It's got kind of a happy, you know, like, wow, yeah, uh, yeah. and I was like, oh, cool. And I read about it and I was like every twist and turn. I was yeah. Like, what? What? And she said her message. She goes, it has a little bit of everything. And you, Jesus were Christ, correct. lightning. Anyway. Jesus Christ, lightning. Amen. Amen. Let's do some shout outs for the Patreon. Yeah, let's do it. I also wanted to say Patreon, if you are on the discord, mm-hmm. we're looking for another movie or something to watch together. Oh, yeah, fun. I thought that would be fun to do. So um, hop on there and give me your ideas. Now, yeah. shout outs. This is going to get us pretty much caught up on shout outs. Oh, by the nice. Way. And then we'll forget again forever. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are a Patreon member at the Body of a Goddess or the Janet level, one of your perks is getting your name shouted out on the show and very likely mispronounced. Mm, it's so fun. Okay. We're really good at this. So here are those members. Lana McMahon. Ashley Reynolds. Christine Clearwater. Alicia Nutt. Probably. Mm-hmm. P-N-U-T. Sure. Pinnut. Peanut. <laughs> Michelle Merritt. Rochelle Palmer. Hope Norman. Aubrey Myers. Jean Everly. Katie Crowley. Crowley? Crowley. Alexa Taylor. Erin. Uh, doubt it. Doubt it. Doubt it. Doubt it. Doubt it. Doubt it. Leo Leary. Amy Larson. Isla. Ayla. Ayala. <laughs> no last name. So. Harmony Schaefer. Shelby Aldridge. Kelly Young. Shelby Reynolds. Laura Nelson. Monica Spellman. Amity Lovett. Katie Stalbaris Cochran. Jesus Christ Lightning Amen. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Jesus Christ Lightning Amen is not a Patreon no. member. Not yet. If you start calling yourself TM, that, TM, let TM. us know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being Patreon members. Yeah. Thank you to all of you for listening. And we love you us so much. For this long. Yes. Gosh. It's wild to think about how long the podcast has been going now. Yeah. Okay. We will be back next week with another episode. Yay. We love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.